0: Willie has been set free by the Toronto Maple Leafs. We break down the biggest news of the week, and if Nylander will still have a future in Toronto within the next two years. Plus, we break down the Sabers' win streak, another key injury to Nashville's top six, the search for a new GM in Philly, and a star on line four, if we have time, because it's a massive episode 148, and the fun starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Stephen Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: Before we go any further, as always, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am, yes. Okay, question 36... And uh, I can confirm this is a Hockey Hall of Fame chapter, so you're going to be expecting a lot of Hall of Fame questions moving forward. Okay. So here's question 36. Who was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame at the same time as longtime Habs goalie Jacques Plant in 1978? Was it A, the NHL coach who demoted Plant to the minors, B, the NHL GM who traded Plant twice, C, a goalie who beat out Plant for the Vezina Trophy. Or D, the shooter responsible for forcing Plant to wear his famous mask.
1: So I feel like I'm going to be outed as, like, uh, I don't know much about NHL history with all these Hall of Fame questions. Um, I mean, not that I was doing well even before that. <laughs> um, I. I think the one that makes the most sense is the the player, uh, the last one you said, the player who forced Plant to wear his mask. But I don't, I I, I I feel like this is another trick question. So, but I'm gonna go with D.
0: You're gonna go with D. The shooter responsible for forcing Plon to wear his mask. So I'll give you a backstory. Uh, November 1st, 1959, anti-Bathgate of the Rangers, whipped a backhander that split Plant's nose forcing the netminder to go to the clinic for stitch work and if you don't remember Toe Blake the Habs coach at the time was adamant to Jacques okay. Plante you can wear that mask in practice but you can't wear it during a game and basically Jacques Plante said either I wear it during a game or I don't go back out there so uh. Toe Blake reluctantly allowed Plante to wear the mask uh, it changed the face of hockey forever. And yes, it was Andy Bathgate who got inducted. So, yeah.
1: Woo! It was
0: Andy Bathgate.
1: This should, we should end the episode right now, I feel like. And then I'm going note. home. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah, cares about so, uh, William? They, they were inducted yeah. in
0: 1978, if you're curious on the year. It was 1978, Jacques and Andy Bathgate going into the Hall of Fame together.
1: Who cares about William Nylander and all this stuff? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, Neil. Uh, speaking of Neilander, um, I was joking, of course. Uh, William Neilander uh, finally got resigned after like three minutes before, uh, the deadline was. It was exactly at uh, December first. I guess the deadline was at five p.m. Eastern time. Um, yep. And he signed at four fifty-seven. Um, I was. I was on the Twitter machine, uh, just waiting to tweet out. I even drafted out like, "Well, it looks like Nylander isn't gonna be a leaf for about like ten minutes before the deadline," and then I just see Drager's tweet that just says like, "It looks like Nylander's staying." I'm like, "Oh great, okay, I guess I'll just retweet this." Um, but yeah, anyways, some some details here of his deal. It's a six-year deal um 6.9 um annual average value um the first year is 10.2 million and then the next cu- the next couple are 6.96 um for the rest of the time i guess this is a way to uh, circumvent the cap in their situation here cuz Matthews going to be an RFA Marner's is going to be an RFA um Maybe they keep on to Jake Garner, but he's going to be UFA next year as well. Which brings us to our next question. Well, first question, I guess. What does this mean for the Leafs' future? Um, and do we think Nylander is worth the contract? So I'll give it to you first.
0: So this contract sets the stage for a big payday for Matthews and Marner. That's yeah. what it means to the Leafs' future. And I read on Twitter that Darcy Tucker scored... 47 goals in his first three years with the Leafs. Neilander had 48 in just over two seasons with Toronto. Uh, Definitely more of a playmaker than Darcy Tucker. He can add a lot of depth on offense. And to his credit, he can be a difference maker. Um, He played in the World Championships um, in 2017 with Sweden, and he had seven goals and 14 points in 10 games, I believe. Um, But the key thing with william nylander is the leafs were doing just fine without him and it was largely due to three guys mitch marner austin matthews john Tavares.
1: oh and morgan riley but yeah
0: yeah and for and Freddie anderson if you want to throw and Freddie, Freddie anderson, anderson in there he was unbelievable too um but I reason I say Marner, Matthews, and Tavares, all three of them have been able to drive the Leafs' offense. You look at Marner and his insane passing abilities, mm-hmm. he's got confidence to boot as well. Fourth and points has improved on his skating and his release, and he's got a goal per game right now, 13 goals in 13 games, which is pretty good. Yep. And uh, John Tavares um, basically for many years has been uh, the driving force of whatever team he's been on. So those are the guys that are going to get paid the big bucks. And I see at least $8 million for both Matthews and Marner, and maybe even $10 million for Austin Matthews. Um, and, and now that Nylander's been signed, now everyone's speculating, okay, they, no one offers sheet Neilander, but for sure someone's going to offer sheet Matthews and Marner because really? I think between the three, Matthews is definitely worth offer sheeting Uh, the way Marner's been playing I think he's worth offer sheeting Um, I think both of them could be worth upwards 8 million per year so I think there would be a team out there willing to pay that kind of money to get either player on their team Um, but let's not worry about that right now because for the time being the Leafs passed their first big test kyle dubas said he would do his best to keep everyone intact keep this team as strong as possible he wanted william nylander back the player wanted to be here despite all the drama in the media they found a way to make it work and i think if you're matthews and marner you look at that and say okay i know the gm is going to do his best to keep his word and maybe i'll be willing to give the least my loyalty in return because i know if i resign with this team they're going to do whatever they can to keep the guys that they said they're going to keep kyle dubas made good on his word he kept his promise he kept william nylander and compared to the 8 million that nylanders camp wanted i definitely am more comfortable with nylander getting 6.9 million it may not be much of a money difference but I think down the road it'll help the Leafs a little
1: bit yeah I I like this deal for both the Leafs and Nylander I think this is a fair value for him compared to what like I mean of course like like the comparables all this these past couple of months have always been like Dry Dreisaitl and Pasternak um but then when you look at like, it seems like Dreisaitl's being overpaid and Pasternak's being underpaid. Um, and it just, it seems kind of crazy to um, even compare those guys, uh, just given the talent level that, uh, you know, that Nylander has around him compared to what Dreisaitl and Pasternak have around him. Right. Um, yeah, Marner. Uh, just a few other things that you touch uh, that you briefly touched up on. Marner um, is fourth in points right now. Um, Matthews uh, does have a goal per game, so you were right on that. Um, he did return this week. Um, yeah, and I do want to shout out Morgan Riley. Uh, that was that was that's been a big concern for me this so far. Like in the off season uh, or about this Leafs team was their defense. And, um, Morgan Riley has kind of stepped up in that role. Um, sure. I mean, he's been doing like, you know, he has a 12 plus minus right now. He has 22 minutes on ice and he's basically become that, um, the guy for them on the back end of things. So I think, I think that makes all the difference. Uh, I, I am a little bit concerned on like, they don't have a ton of, um, shut down guys. Um, but at the same time, it's like when you have, um, elite players like Marner, Tavares and Matthews, and now you add Nylander up there. Um, and, and, and it, and you can even add Morgan Riley, who's like a Norse candidate now. Um, if not, he'll probably, he probably win the Norse if it was, um, if the, uh, if the Norris was handed today, maybe Shabbat, I guess you can, you can make a case for that. But uh, mm-hmm. Riley would be up there is my point. Yeah. Um, like, I think you have a good group of players right there, um, a good young core, and they may not win this year. Um, and they also may win this year. But like when you add Nylander, a guy who has like, uh, he has 135 points and 185 games um and like 61 points last year um when you 61
0: can, points the year before that too
1: yeah you know so like and he's only like 22 years old um you know that may, that makes a ton of difference like and he's just a depth guy so it's like, oh now he's just a depth guy so that's that's huge for them um in terms of being able to fit him in um having said all that you said that you know, like uh, Marner and Matthews are g- probably going to try to get um, a huge payday because they're definitely worth more than what Nylander is making. Um, just, just from what they're doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so that's going to be something that's going to be tough to see how they're gonna how Dubis like the real challenge is. Yeah, Dubis was able to keep the core intact, but like, uh, Dubis is, is in for, uh, like, um, an even bigger crisis next year and the year after, because he in has,
0: fact, in fact, actually you, you mentioned that I'm thinking what's going to happen with William Nylander a few years down the road, because let's say he's averaging oh. 80 to 90 points in a couple of years, yep. and you look at Tavares nearing the end of his contract, Matthews and Marner probably got a couple of years left on theirs, mm. at that point Kapanen's probably going to get a raise, right. Anderson will probably get a raise, we'll Morgan have a Riley in a minute. due for a raise, and then you'll have all these young stars like Rasmus Sandin, and Timmy Lilligren and Travis Dermott, and Andreas right. Johnson. so in a couple of years when Nealander is due for another contract, can the Leafs afford to keep him? I think that's the bigger question is in a couple of years when Nealander and everyone else have evolved. Yeah. um, How tough is it going to be to keep Nealander on your team? I think that's going to be the bigger test for Kyle Dubas is in year four or year five of this deal.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I still, I still think that it's going to be tough to manage apparently, so actually I didn't even realize this, but Kapanen's also going to be in RFA next year as well. Mm. Um, so uh, so he's, like, I think this offseason especially, because Matthews and Marner are basically your team. I mean, yeah, Tavares is is an added bonus, and uh, you know, Kapanen has been really good, and Nylander, of course, has been um, is, a, is a valued player, but like, you know you still have to like Matthews and Marner are in my mind worth more than Tavares is making and Tavares is making 11 million yeah so um so that's going to be tough I feel like this offseason is going to be the time where Dubas actually has to like start thinking about okay who's in our core we know it's Matthews we know it's Marner but could we afford to let go of a guy like Jake Garner, who's going to be a UFA next year? Could we afford to, like, see who, who can trade? Um, can we get someone for, like, Patrick Marleau, uh off our cap? Or um, maybe you sell off uh, Nazem Kadri for a bit, you know, or something like that, just so you can have – because you're right. You do, we do have guys like Andreas Janssen, Lilligren, up in the system um and kapanen who's been a, uh amazing this year as well but at the same time you know like matthews and marner are gonna warrant a lot of money um and that's what i'm not sure about so i could i i do agree i think nylander is probably getting traded but you said four years from now i think it's this off season um, really yeah
0: well- you you know what because and Brian Burke said some interesting stuff he said you know they gave all this money to the sixth or seventh best player on the team and you know what I think definitely the value is higher uh to get a guy like Nylander because now you get Nylander with term attached you get Mm -hmm. four five six years whatever uh left on Nylander's contract to play with and you refill your prospect's you refuel on your draft picks, um, because you look at a lot of other teams in the NHL. Nealander is a top-line guy, 100%, so, on a lot of other teams. For sure. And the reason he's not a top-line guy in the Leafs right now is because the Leafs have just too many darn good players right. that you can only give top-line minutes to so many people at once. Yep. So I, I definitely could see that possibility where, with term attached to his contract, that Nealander gets traded. But. Yep see then then you, you risk pissing off Matthews and Marner who you told you know Nealander's staying and you know all the players are excited to have him back you know yeah. I'm kind of wondering if that puts a rift in the locker room a little bit it I didn't... definitely think out of the people that are the most expendable right now on this Maple Leafs roster, Jake Gardner, 100%. Yep. Because while he is an offensive-minded defenseman that can score 40 to 50 points yeah, for he's, you, he's his two-way too. game's not the best. Morgan Riley has really elevated his game. And like I said, guys like Sandine, guys like Lilgren, um, they're all young defensemen. Travis Derman, who they just sent down to make room for William Nylander, yep. also a defenseman, also a guy that is probably going to have a future with this team. And right. they already have two young guys on their defense that are rookies, yep. right now playing NHL minutes. So I definitely can see Jake Gardner moving on from the Leafs.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first on Jake Gardner. Yeah, I think it makes sense for him, uh, for both the Leafs and for Gardner, because so I think Gardner could get a lot, a lot of money on the open market. Yeah, he um, definitely could and just in terms of cap room. So I, I could see Gardner uh, going to another team this off season. Um,
0: or, or even getting traded if the Leafs. Like I said, want to refuel on their prospects. Right.
1: right. I mean, yeah. If, if they want to do that, but they'd have to do that at the deadline, but I don't know why they yeah. would do that. Um, yeah. If they
0: think they have a good shot, win the cup, they probably keep uh, Gardner and take their chances in the off. Exactly.
1: Season. Um, so, but, um, what was I gonna say? Um, but yeah, the I mean the other thing to think, but like I guess from what you were saying about with Nylander being traded this off season, I'm just thinking because it took forever for them to for him to actually get signed, um, yeah. and and that's definitely like a cause for concern because like you know like this happened with PK Subban um, with the Canadians, you know he gets. He signs this bridge deal, and then they trade him the next year. And I would imagine a lot of that had to do with contract disputes. Um, I, I th- I'm sure there's other examples as well, but like you know that that takes a toll on a player and the team. So I would I would imagine that like Nylander and management aren't the best of friends, even though they did make they did come to terms. Eventually, I still don't know if they're. He's, both sides are exactly happy with how things went down. Um, I, think it,
0: I think it's gonna come down to performance. Yep. If if they're gonna trade him this off season if he does not have as good of a year as they like, right. then probably get the most out of him then. But right. if he absolutely kills it, uh maybe they hang on to him for a couple of years. But like I True. said, with the Rhino rally situation in Colorado with all the talent that they had. Yeah. It's gonna come down to a point where he's gonna cost too much. They can't afford to keep him and they're best off to trade him,
1: yep, um, and and you do have a point in terms of like what message does that would that send to a guy like Matthews or Marner like mm-hmm. hey, we we made this deal like you promised us that Nylander would be with us. We're all happy to play with him, and then all of a sudden you trade him in the off season, so it's like you know, it's kind of a breach of trust from everyone in the team. Mm-hmm. But I th- like, so, so you do bring up a good point in that, but uh, I don't know. Maybe that means that maybe after two years, maybe not, I, I just don't know four years. I feel like four years is too yeah, long. Yeah,
0: it, it could be after a year or three even, but yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think they, they uh, necessarily trade Neil under right away. I think yep. they give it some time. I'm At sure. first I thought it was going to be, if it was gonna be a bridge deal, yeah. which Neilander did not want. Right. Because he wanted to stay in Toronto long term. I think if it was a bridge deal, a trade was gonna happen this offseason. But now that it's a six year deal, I think it changes things a bit.
1: Yeah, I guess I could see that. Um also didn't Bob McKenzie say that like the Leafs are probably gonna trade him, um, regardless. Like this yeah, it, it
0: wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, it's yeah. I think it's a matter of uh, when, not if the Leafs yep. trade Neilanberg. So we I already, think it, I think the timing is going to have a factor.
1: So we already talked about Garner's UFA this off season. Matthews mm-hmm. and Marner's are RFA this off season, We've already mentioned. Um, also, uh, I just as I mentioned before, Kapanen's an RFA. Andreas Jonsson is an RFA, although he is arbitration eligible there as well. Um, which is a little bit different than the other RFA's. Um, yeah. and, um, so that, that adds a little intrigue to things. Uh, speaking of Kapanen though, um, he's been, he's been actually pretty well, pretty good, um, in Nylander's absence. Um, he has 18 points in 27 games. Um, not too bad. Um, I I was just just thinking about this because I have him on one of my fantasy teams. I haven't dropped him yet. Um, I'm waiting to see uh, the first couple of games and how they deploy Kapanen, but um, uh, how they deploy Nylander when Cap you know when uh, you know when Kapanen's in the lineup and Nylander's yeah. in the lineup. How are they going to deploy things? But I, like so, he's been on the top two lines, Kapanen, this season. I, I feel like he's earned his right to uh, still be on the top line or the top two lines. Cause he's been pretty good. Um, so I, I, I just, it's just something to watch out for if you're a fantasy nerd, like we are, uh, yeah. keep an eye on that. Um, but you know, just from a regular hockey nerd, I mean, even if he can be a depth guy, um, for the Maple Leafs, he's kind of proved what he can—he's capable of—with um, more ice time. So, um, you know, that's definitely um, something to to look out for. And then on the other end, Patrick Marlowe hasn't been that great. Um, well, I mean, he's been decent—I should say—15 uh, points in 27 games. So, uh, three points uh, below what Kapanen has made. Um, I feel like Patrick Marlowe should be a depth guy now, um, like a bottom three, a bottom six guy. Um, I don't know if that's gonna happen, but uh, that would be my suggestion if Babcock is listening and I'm sure he is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the power rankings. It's been a while since we've done them, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You're going first though. So uh, for the top three, so who's it, who's in your top three? Uh,
0: so I would pick Tampa Bay as the top team, mostly because they aren't missing a beat in goal with Louis Domingue. I was a bit concerned the Basilewski injury was going to prove to be a costly one, but thus far it hasn't uh, hurt them too bad. Um, Kucherov has 24 points during a 10 game point streak, so he's piling up the points. Stamkos is starting to do the same. Uh, Braden Point continues to do what Braden Point does best uh in their last 10 games they're eight two and they're my top team second best team i'm going with the Leafs um like you said Kasperi Kapanen bringing a lot of speed i definitely think that's going to help uh, his case um you know Marlow as a as a third or fourth line guy i think he's going to be decent um but like i said there are going to be phases in the season where Uh, where a select group of players are going to pile the points and the others are going to get chances, but not much to show for it. And uh, Matthews returns to the lineup, makes a positive impact uh, right away. Um, I really like what uh, the Leafs have brought. Anderson continues to play well. Uh, So they're my second-best team. Third choice is a tough one, though, and I'm going to choose Colorado because Rantanen and McKinnon are just dominating right now. Uh, This past week, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, both guys had six game point streaks going at the exact same time. Wow. And uh, Nathan was one of uh, the three stars of November. Uh, As a team, Colorado has points in each of their last 10 matches, winning eight of them and losing uh, two of them in overtime shootout fashion. So zero regulation losses in their last 10 they're too good not to include on this list, but I will give a major tip of the hat to Buffalo. Yep. Um, great to see them doing well. They had that 10-game win streak, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, they've since dropped three in a row, but to be fair, their, lose, their win streak rather ended against Tampa Bay, and they lost 2-1 to to Nashville on Monday. So they've played some very good opponents. They've kept their opponents in some tight hockey games. They definitely deserve recognition, but for me, not good enough to make the top three this week.
1: They also play Toronto tonight um, as we're recording this. So that should be interesting. Yeah. Um, Yes. So my top three are pretty similar to yours. I'm going with the Lightning first. Um, Yeah, I agree. I thought um, the Lightning would falter a bit because the difference between Dominique in net versus the Vasilevsky in net are very, you know, very different obviously, but it doesn't seem to have stopped them at all. So uh, Braden Point is like my favorite player now. Um, he, he's amazing, truly fun to watch. Um, second is also going to be the same to you, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you kind of hit the nail. I mean, we've already talked about them a bit, but uh, the Nylander, acquisition only makes them better. Um, I've, I've, I've already talked about them. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go on to my next team. And the third team is a little bit shocking. Um, considering that they're technically not um, they're tech. I think they're in eighth place right now in the league. Actually, there's used- let me do this quickly. There are yeah there are eight there are seven teams that are better than record wise, um, the Washington Capitals um, they've kind of um, I don't know if you realize this and I've, I and I know everyone hates Tom Wilson, um, but he has four, yeah he has fourteen points in ten games, um, that's incredible. I personally I feel like he's he's become the most hated man. He's taken Marshawn's place as the most hated man in, uh, in America. Well, he's uh, a
0: carbon copy if he keeps putting up those exactly.
1: numbers like that. Yeah. And I mean, like he's, and, and, uh, low key, Nicholas Backstrom has 33 points in 26 games I feel like no one's talking about that I feel like um, nobody
0: talks about Nicholas Backstrom as much as they should I think he's yeah. probably, other than Blake Wheeler one of the yeah. most underrated players in the league Well,
1: it's because he it's because he doesn't get any goals, he's just yeah. like a pure well, assist guy Yeah, and that's the same with Blake Wheeler because Blake Wheeler assists on every everyone's but like when you think of the Jets you're thinking of uh, you know, Line A, Shifley, Connor, and you don't really think of Wheeler, but that's the same for the Capitals. Cause you're, when you think of the Capitals, you think of Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, um, Tom Wilson for the wrong reason, reasons. <laughs> and then Bastrum's just, meanwhile, he's like, he's like the ringmaster, or the puppeteer kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta give a shout out to them. Uh, yeah, the, the Avalanche are also doing well too i was thinking of putting the the sabers but they lost their last three like you just mentioned and we'll talk about them in a bit also um i was thinking of mentioning the preds because they technically have the second best record um however if i did it just by record that would be really boring uh for everyone um and also um as we're going to mention pretty soon they don't have arvidson Subban and now Forsberg which we'll mention um later on in this podcast but um so I feel like they're gonna have a downturn maybe um but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep on winning but I I felt like they deserve a shout out as well um as for the bottom three I feel like it's like a there are four really bad teams right now um and um one of them actually hasn't been, like, used to be decent uh, or used to be really bad, and that's the LA Kings. Yeah, um, but they're, they,
0: they're less bad. They're actually doing decent now.
1: Yeah. Uh, they, they're they about to get Jonathan Quick back. Um, well, they already have. He's yeah, played they, in two
0: games, and uh, yeah. he, he posted a shutout against... Who did he post a out? I, I have it in my notes here. He uh he posted a shutout against carolina carolina it stopped 34 shots yeah. for a
1: shutout so anyways i i think um the kings are off my list uh at least for this week um yeah. but um so i'm going to say this third worst um but there are four bad teams now uh the bottom three um the Devils, um, they've lost six in a row. Um, I do think that Taylor Hall has been pretty good, and I, um, I kind of believe in Keith Kincaid. Um, but at the moment, I can, <laughs> I, uh, just nothing's working for them at the moment. So I do think that they'll pull a couple of things together eventually. But right now, I I have to I, I have to put them in the bottom three. Um, just because they've been losing a lot um, the Canucks are my second worst team um, it, it was a while ago when we started talking about how good the Canucks are and purely because of Elias Petterson Peterson um, but it you know um, that doesn't always as we were as we kind of mentioned um, that's you know, that's the least of their worries, um, you know. Peterson could probably carry the the team. Um, he's been that good um, into the playoffs, but at the same time, it's like their goaltending has been very bad. Um, their defense hasn't been great either. So, um, so you know, Peterson, Horvat, uh, even guys like Goldobin um, have been really good. Besser has kind of had this injury history kind of thing. Um, but whenever he's in, he's usually pretty good. Um, so, so there's that, but at the same time, it's, um, they, they're the reasons why we predicted them to be bad have shown, um, right now. And then lastly, um, I'm going to go with the Blackhawks, um, This is one of those ones where I'm not I like I hope I feel like the NHL is a better league when when the Blackhawks are good. So I do kind of hope that they figure things out. But at the same time, it it seems like it's such a lost cause right now. um, They uh, I thought Corey Crawford might make a difference, but he hasn't been great. Um, Maybe he's still injured. Their defense isn't great either. Uh, Patrick Kane's pretty much the only bright light to them and to Cat. But, um, but yeah, I, don't, I just, I don't, like, I want to say that they'll figure it out, but I don't think they will, so um, it hurts a couple of my fantasy teams because I drafted a couple of Blackhawks because I thought they'd be better than this, but at the moment I I, I can't say that, so I'm putting them last. But it's more for motivation purposes than anything. <laughs> uh, so what are, what are your bottom three?
0: So like I said, Los Angeles has actually been doing decent lately, so yep. they're not on this list. I didn't actually put the Canucks on this list either because while they have gone on a major skid, yep. um, they've lost a, a couple of close games. They haven't gotten the results that they probably should have on I, some of them. I
1: forgot so- to mention this, but I did have this in my notes, that they're 1-8-1 and Yeah. in their last yeah. ten.
0: Like I said, the record—it's a pretty big skid that they're under, yep. and it's something that I expected. I expected that the Canucks would regress to some extent, um, but um, they're not as bad as people make them out to be. So they're not on my list. Uh, I will agree with you when I say Chicago's on my list. Uh, they're the third worst team for me. Um, they just don't look the same. Uh, they just don't look the same at all. I saw some of the highlights in the first period against nashville Nashville exposed them big time Uh, their age is showing um they they don't look like the blackhawks that we used to know so they're my third worst team Uh second worst i will agree with you new jersey is doing pretty bad seven two and four at home but an ugly two ten and one away from the jersey shore that has to be fixed for them to do anything good in the standings and that leaves us with the St. Louis Blues who can put forth a promising win oh, and then one. throw it all away with a bad period against Arizona. To me, it just does not look like a team that can contend for a playoff spot. And they yep. are where they are in the standings because of the same flaws, team defense and goaltending. Yep. And uh, they won't have too much progress unless those areas of their game are cleared up. And um, it might be December, but they're slowly running out of room already.
1: Yeah, um, I I forgot to mention the Blues, but yeah, that that was that's a good choice as the worst team. Um, that's interesting that I didn't even have the Blues in my bottom three, but you you did. Um,
0: we, we, we just think they're not existent now.
1: Yeah, we almost had an identical top three, and then we had a a little bit different in our bottom three. Um, yeah, a little bit. All right, anyways, uh, time for the rapid fire. One of the teams we mentioned was the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, They uh, they went on a 10-game win streak. Um, I I guess I'll mention all of them quickly. Montreal, Vancouver, Tampa, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Philly, Montreal, Detroit, San Jose, and then they lost to Tampa Bay. Um, But, like even still like they beat a couple of pretty good teams Tampa Winnipeg Minnesota and Pittsburgh all pretty good teams um and Montreal has had their moments as well so or in San Jose, San Jose as well so um so yeah it's very impressive uh guys that have stood out during these uh times uh during these 10 games uh Jeff Skinner uh he has 20 goals in 28 games apparently he's um uh, uh, he wants like, like, a 8 million annual average value or something like that. Um, but like, yeah, if he gives this up, then like that would, um, if he has 20 goals in 28 games, that puts him at like 60 goals. Um, if he plays a full season, um, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. Uh, but, um, it, I don't know. I guess it could happen at this rate. Um. Jack Eichel's also been pretty good, um, although he doesn't he he's mostly been assisting on Skinner's goals, which is fine. Um, but he has 27 assists um, and five goals. And then Sam Reinhart as well has been pretty good too. Um, also of note, uh, Rasmus Dahlin has really gotten going. Um, in fact, he won the Rookie of the Month this November. Um, and he, he's he been pretty good um, the last couple of games. Um, he, he now has 14 points in 28 games, um, so that would about put him at like a 40-point pace, which is around where people thought, projected him to be at the start of the season. Um, other people have no. oh, Carter Hutton has been pretty good too, um, and Linus Olmark as well, but uh, Carter Hutton has, um, has kind of taken over uh he has 12 he's 12-8-1 um on the regular season um and a 9.17 save percentage and a 2.6 GAA um so you know i think we all kind of thought that Carter Hutton wouldn't be as good as he was in St. Louis uh last year but um you know he he still has he's kind of proven that he he still has something um Whether this is like, this is good enough to like put them in the playoffs. I'm not sure, um, per se, but, um, but at the same time, I, I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool that, you know, there's new blood, um, in the league. Um, albeit it's a team in my division. So, um, yeah. Uh, what do you think of this Sabres run? And if- so
0: I took uh, so I took a little bit of uh, in-depth stats from this run. It lasted from November 8th to the 27th, so 10 straight games. All but one of those 10 games were decided by a single goal, and 12 of their last 13 have been one-goal affairs. And like you said, some of the teams they have beaten are very good teams. Yep. So um, they definitely have held their own. Um, so so here's some uh, stats uh, from their 10-game win streak. They were actually outshot 344 to 315. They outscored the other team 33 to 24. Uh, their penalty kill, 24 for 27, which is very good. Uh, top four penalty kill during that stretch. Uh, middle of the pack power play, 5 for 25, so that's 20%. That's pretty good. Um, they uh, blocked the third fewest shots, but... When you have the 11 fewest giveaways, that doesn't matter because you're not giving uh, the other team as many chances to score. And, and, that's, and that's been a problem for the Sabres. They've often given the other team too many quality chances in previous years, and uh, they've paid the price for it. Um, but like you said, if you don't give them too many penalties um, to capitalize on, if you don't give them too many takeaways to capitalize on um that'll help your team and uh it's helped that buffalo has been a bit more disciplined they haven't taken as many penalties and when they have taken penalties they've been able to kill them off and they haven't been giving up the puck as much so they're being very responsible um and during uh, their winning streak they score the fourth most goals at even strength um and that's very very good because you're not relying on your power play or in arizona's case your penalty kill to score goals um so that's 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 very good there are a lot of positives to take away taking a look at uh, what individual players did one goal and 11 points for jack eichel top five and assists in the league during that stretch And his 44 shots on goal put him alone in second during that 10-game period in the NHL. The only guy that had more shots generated was Roman Yossi. He had 45, and he averaged over six minutes more than Jack during that stretch because he's a defenseman and Jack's a forward. Um, Jeff Skinner, uh, 10 goals in 10 games. Uh, Next closest on the Sabres was Tage Thompson, who had three goals and only patrick Line had more goals than jeff skinner did in the entire league during uh, this uh, stretch of time from november 8th to the 27th Rasmus dalene you're right he had a very good month of november he had nine points during this 10 game win streak sam reinhardt had nine ristolainen had eight oposo had seven and carter hutton gaa under two 936 save percentage eight victories so um a lot of good things went right for the sabers and uh the fact that they were able to do most of their damage in very close games really speaks volumes because they're not they're not dominating the other teams, but at the same time, they're finding a way to grind out victories. And I yep. think come playoff time, if this team gets into the playoffs, they're going to need to grind out those one-goal victories. So I think this is a very good test for
1: them. That's actually a good question to lead uh that I was kind of <laughs> uh, hoping that you'd answer. Do you think the Sabres are going to make the playoffs? Or do you think.
0: I hope this... they do. Okay. I, I think after this 10 game win streak, they're certainly capable now. Okay. Um, they just need to avoid a losing streak. And um, it's learning how to stop the bleeding. Right now, they've lost three in a row. Like you said, they've got Toronto up next. Um, so if they can stop the bleeding and get back on track, um, I think there's little doubt that the Sabres are a playoff team. Yeah. But, um, they just can't afford to go back into their losing space that they've been prone to for the past couple of years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, the, yeah, speaking back to Jack Eichel's, uh, shooting shots on goal, he has 115, um, and only two players have more shots on goal this season. Um, that's Sagan and McKinnon, um, mm-hmm. and he only has five goals of those 115 shots. That puts him at a shooting percentage of 4.3. That's inc- you know what
0: that means, Brad. It means he's
1: due. I know. I was about to say that's incredibly low. Um, yeah. So, um, is sure, he's you know I'm sure he's happy uh, that the team's winning and he's able to ac- a lot of the goals that jeff skinner has um scored on have been jack eichel assists so i'm sure he's happy in that regard but i i would imagine he wants to he wants to contribute in the goal factory as well so um that's something to keep an eye on for sure um also you mentioned roman yossi um he also has five goals as well so maybe those will come in Although he's a defenseman, as you mentioned, uh, injuries. Speaking of the Nashville Predators, um, his team, Roman Yossi's teammate uh, Philip Forsberg is injured. I build. Be- I mean, just double check. I, th- I think it's like. Is it a concussion? Uh, uh, it upper body.
0: Upper body injury. That's that's what I gathered. And it four, says to four to weeks. six weeks. Yeah. yeah.
1: Four to six weeks. Um, also PK Subban and Arvidsson are also out. So, uh, Nashville
0: as well, Kyle Turris, and
1: Turris as well. The- Although he's not as a big of a deal as the other three that we just mentioned, yeah, but,
0: but still one um, of the guys yeah. that could probably step up um, True. to yeah. fill the offensive void, but now he can't cause he's hurt.
1: I guess that's fair. Um, but yeah, no, that's definitely got to hurt. And I think like, this is the time to see if what the predators are really made of because, um three of the three of their most important guys are all out um for the time being so it'll be yeah. interesting and to see uh, how that and was
0: actually leading the preds in goals with 14 and points with 22 yep. at the time of the injury um it's it's also a good test for ily Tolvanen who yep. has two points in uh, two games uh, this year including his first career NHL goal so Yep. Um, on the bright side you get to see what uh, Elise Holden can do at the NHL level. I believe he, he had a have, goal he'll definitely uh, get a shot uh, even if robertson comes back
1: Yeah, I believe he had a goal and an assist in his first game and then he uh, didn't have any points the next game but um, still yeah. it's good to get, get him opportunities for sure uh, Dustin Bufflin um, is ha, does have a concussion yeah. um, so his timetable is a little bit unclear but Um, but yeah, that, that's also kind of got hurt, but the good news is that I saw that Sammy Nike is, was called up. So, um, that'll be kind of interesting to see how, um, he does, um, um, up in the big club. Uh, I don't
0: know if you noticed, but, uh, Buffalo has 17 points in 21 games this year. That's pretty
1: good. That is pretty good. I mean, he's 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 another underrated guy that no one really talks about, but he's mm-hmm. he's one of the best players in the league. Um, yeah, and, and a very
0: physical one at that too. Very tough sure. To find defenseman that can score like that and can and hit, hit.
1: Like yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, he's he's like a he's a fantasy MVP in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: he's 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 one of those guys that you probably put on EA Sports NHL and just jack everything up to ninety nine.
1: Exactly um you uh you mentioned the blues in your bottom three um yep. there's a good reason for that because alex Penterangelo injured his hand and may require surgery so it's, yep. it doesn't look like it's great uh fabry is also injured too um, uh, again. Um, yeah he has a shoulder injury um and then carl gunnerson Uh, the blues are also missing Alex Steen and Jaden Schwartz as well. So Schwartz is another one who always seems to be injured, but, uh, yeah, Yeah. Petrangelo, um, is the big one of those five and Schwartz, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) it's not looking great for the blues.
0: Yeah. Even if Petrangelo isn't lighting it up offensively as 11 points in 24 games, he still logs a ton of ice time. Yep. And, uh, the blues need a guy like Petrangelo and, uh, they haven't really been good with him in the lineup. And uh, I, I, it's tough to say they're going to be even better with him out of the lineup. I yep. think it could only get worse.
1: For sure. Um, a couple of uh, small mentions, but I feel like it's worth worth the mention. Uh, yep. Chuck Fletcher is, uh, is now the Flyers GM. Um, I guess they're saying that now this opens up the possibility that Coach Q is going to be the Flyers coach because um, that was a big thing for um, or one like supposedly rumored to be one of the big reasons why Hexal got fired in the first place was that he didn't even want to talk to Q. Um, so I imagine Fletcher is more flexible. Um, I don't think they have a re- Fletcher and Quenville have a relationship. Um,
0: um, actually, he doesn't, but his father Cliff does uh, because. Way back in the day, I'm um, just taking a look at my notes here. Um, it's it's around here, some here. Um,
1: well, I was going to say that.
0: Father, okay, so here it is. So his father, Cliff, hired Joel to be an AHL assistant coach back in the day. Uh-huh. So way before he was an NHL coach, Cliff Fletcher knew Joel Quindle.
1: Interesting. Okay. I was also going to say that I knew that like Chuck Fletcher used to be the Minnesota wild GM for, Mm -hmm. for a long time. um, And he was in the black ops He was the guy
0: that uh, traded Brent Burns before we knew he was this good for Charlie Coyle. Right. And he also handed out those two mammoth contracts to Ryan Suter and Zach Parise.
1: True. Those are negatives, but I mean, no one really expected Brent Burns to be this good. So I'll, I'll give him a pass on that.
0: And and and, and uh, in Chuck Fletcher's defense, Paul Holmgren gave Bruce Gallaud
1: that exactly, massive yeah. contract, and everyone, yeah, everyone was giving all, so. everyone was giving massive contracts at that point. But yeah, I I don't know if I feel like the the Preezy and Suter ones kind of made sense at the time. Maybe
0: it's it, it sucks because yeah. I think if they were fully healthy, yeah, I think they would look at those deals differently. And plus. Those deals are, are before the the new lockout. So like they, they, so this was before uh, the new salary cap was introduced. So it's, it it, it definitely sucks because um, I I think the money that they're getting, uh, you probably wouldn't give to too many NHL. Also,
1: also how, wasn't like Prise like 29 when he signed the contract and Suter was a similar age too?
0: and 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 like and like they were both you know in the in nearing the prime of their careers um like shea weber was going to be the star in nashville ryan yeah. Suter was um you know playing very well in his own right and um you know they were setting the bar pretty high on him because they thought you know what you know this guy is going to be a a big time on Ice Lear for us, which he has been when he's been healthy. Yeah. And he's definitely been a part, big part of their defense. And Zach Parise, um, by the time um, he went to um, the Minnesota Wilds, he had a couple of monster seasons with the New Jersey Devils. So yeah. they, they felt that he could do the same in Minnesota. Yeah, but again, still. back issues and other injuries have cost him.
1: So I just looked this up. Parise was 28 years old and Ryan Suter was 27 when they both signed 13 year contracts. Yeah, so, see what I mean? Don't like, get those out anymore. <laughs> but When you think about it, that's, that just means that you sign them when they're in their 30s. So that's past yep. their prime, yep. um, which is kind of funny when you think about it. Um, I mean, not to, not to knock Parise, and Sutter has actually been pretty good when he's been healthy. Um and, and Parisi has actually gotten things going now uh, lately. he's He's been decent this year. But, yeah, no, it's like they're, they're still uh, – the Minnesota Wilder are kind of haunted with those two contracts for sure. Um,
0: mm-hmm. um, just taking a look at um, but, some other things. Um, Ron Hextall, by the way, um, said oh. that um, he was very disappointed that – He couldn't get the Stanley Cup back to Philly. He said it was his mission. It was something that he really wanted to do, um, something that he took great pride in. Um, Didn't see the move coming at all, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people um, would assume. Uh, Actually, the conversation between him and Paul Holmgren about his firing only lasted 20 seconds. Right. So the Flyers are pretty cold-blooded there. Um, And uh, just taking a look at... uh, Um, some of the other casualties because Haxtell wasn't the only one Uh, they let go of an assistant GM Um, they also let go of an assistant coach and they also added that uh, Dave Haxtell's future lies in the hands squarely of Chuck Fletcher who is also in charge of getting a new goalie in the meantime that can maybe help them out and um, also monitoring uh, their development Uh, what's interesting is that both Holmgren and Hextall saw eye-to-eye on the development of Carter Hart. So they agreed on that. But um, they didn't like that Hextall was too patient. They thought he wasn't aggressive enough. Yep. And uh, if there's one thing that um, Chuck Fletcher has shown uh, during his time at Minnesota, he's not afraid to make a big splash. True. So I think it's that's super that type of mindset is uh, what the Flyers are going to be looking for moving
1: forward. Yeah, for sure. Although the, the big splashes were Parise and Suter, as we mentioned before. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, so it,
0: and the Flyers are in Cap Hell yeah. already, so they can't afford too many of yeah.
1: those. But like, you know, like like in terms of GMs who have been given second chances, you know, some have worked, like George McPhee in Vegas, but some haven't worked in Chiarelli. Yeah. Um, so, um so, yeah, I mean, it, it remains to be seen what he'll do. Um, the weird thing is, is that the Flyers aren't even that bad of a team. Um, there's a couple of guys who are, like, actually pretty good. Um, but at the same, like, Proverov, uh those are the main ones. Konechny has been really good lately. Um, you know, but, like, the other thing is, is that you have... Old guys in uh, Drew and Voracek and Simmons, um, and you know it's like they're not getting any younger, as the famous saying always goes. And um, and they also need to figure out their goaltending before. Yeah, um, I agree that Carter, it makes sense to keep Carter Hart in the uh, AHL for um, for a couple of seasons, but um, you still need a stopgap. Um, yeah. Anthony Stolars has been decent um, in his uh, couple of games that he's played, but like you need a better option than uh, Michael Nuerberth mm-hmm. and Brian Elliott. So that would be the the first thing that Chuck Fletcher has to figure out is what are they going to do in goaltending? Um, like, you know, Carter Hart's the future, um, but do we just stick, do they just stick with Stolars? Um or do you like, or what do you do with Brian Elliott? What do you do with Michael Nervis? Cause it, uh, it seems like those two guys aren't working. Um, so yeah. yeah, that remains to be seen.
0: And they've already, it should be mentioned that uh, they put Calvin Pickard on waivers and he was claimed by Arizona. So they've already gotten rid of one goaltender. Yeah. So now it's Stolars, Lyon, Neuberth and Elliott's that are still on uh, the payroll.
1: Yeah. I've, I have a feel, fi- I think Elliott's being paid a lot of money. So I don't, think anyone's not gonna paying pay.
0: ridiculous amount but yeah so mo- i'd say upwards
1: three, making four, two points he's making 2.7 million so that that's okay. not terrible but yeah
0: yeah and it's a, and it, he signed a two-year deal so it was a short term so by the yeah. end of this year he's a ufa anyway
1: but Stollers was pretty decent has been pretty decent lately so yeah. i don't know um he could yeah, be cause
0: i guess they go with the guy that gives them the wins but right. um the the goalie market has been pretty thin for a while, and I don't think anyone wants
1: the Flyers' goals right. right now. So. What, what stinks is is that like Giroux is thirty years old, Voracek is twenty nine years old. you just, just got, got JVR yeah. and
0: they're putting him on the third line.
1: Exactly. Sean Couturier hasn't really gotten going yet, so it's yeah. like um, you know, it's kind of like it feels like you're wasting talent. Nolan Patrick is. Uh, Hasn't been as good as he, he, we expected of him. So, yeah. um, but like, you know, you still have something in goes to spare and Provorov, but it's really just everyone else and Carter Hart, um, assuming he develops correctly. Um, all right. Uh, some, some other news that we can briefly mention here. Austin Matthews, Shea Weber and Kuznetsov all return, um, which is nice to see. Uh, for sure. You mentioned that Austin Matthews has 13 goals in 13 games. Yep. I believe Shea Weber had a goal in his first game back. Um, so that could help. Uh, he
0: had, let's see, he had, and it should be noted that uh, the last time Shea Weber played a game, Max Patch was the captain. So yep. when he came back, it was actually his first game as a HABS captain. Yeah. Uh, it was against Carolina. He posted one assist, and then he got two goals on five shots in his second game against the Rangers. I okay. uh, Didn't get any points in his third game,
1: though. Yeah, I was about to mention, he has three points in three games, but yeah, you're yeah. right. He uh, he didn't have anything in the last game. Um, and Kuznetsov also returns, so that's, that's obviously helpful, too. Um, yeah. I think we have some time left. Uh, before we get to Bruins and Sens, uh, Daniel Sprong goes to the Ducks for Marcus Pedersen, um, who's a defenseman. Uh, this is kind of a shock because I feel like the the Penguins don't really have a ton of prospects in their in their system, and Sprong was clearly their best prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and I'm sure he's gonna get a ton of opportunity and. Yeah, it's still an injury depleted Ducks lineup. Um, but I I don't know. I feel like this this is kind of like reminded me of the Dylan Strom trade last week where I feel like the, the Penguins are giving up on on the a young prospect too early. Um, and but I mean, you know, Dylan Sprong should have some opportunity in Anaheim. Um, I'm kind of excited to see it. Um, and then on the other end, I guess, like, the Penguins do need more defense than offense. Because, you know, when you have guys like Malkin and Crosby and, and Kessel, you know, you can afford, and Gensel, uh, you can afford to trade uh, some of your younger uh, forwards um, to fix your defensemen. But I don't know. Um, I feel like this this is a good, really good trade for the Ducks. Um, we'll see how that goes
0: yeah i definitely think it's a gamble worth making um for Anaheim. and just take a look at the right wing need i mean patrick geese back on the ir corey Perry still back on the ir and probably not leaving for a couple of months that's two of their top six boards right there yep and both of them play right wing and guess what sprong plays right wing and uh they have a lot of young talent on their team uh, you take a look at sprung's resume he had 65 points in 65 ahl games last year he was a 30 goal scorer um and that was his rookie season so imagine putting him on maybe a top six role right away
1: mm-hmm. because
0: this is a team that actually needs daniel Sprong. pittsburgh maybe he doesn't need Daniel Sprong for about a year or two. Yep. And uh, he didn't really get much of an opportunity to flourish, but in the opportunities they he did get, he didn't really show, um, according uh, to uh, one of the, their beat writers on The Athletic, um, Seth Ror- Rorabaugh, I hope I pronounced that right, he said that basically Mike Johnson and Mike Sullivan didn't really give um, Sprong enough opportunities, but Sprong didn't really give it uh didn't really help himself because the opportunities he did get he didn't really show to everyone that he deserved a bigger and better look uh in the pittsburgh penguins uh, locker room so um i i think a fresh start is definitely going to benefit um daniel sprong and if you look at uh another first round pick that Pitt- pittsburgh had uh, named marcus naslin they traded him to vancouver and um that turned out pretty well so um, re- there's uh, definitely hope for daniel Strong yet and uh hopefully he finds success with the ducks
1: i didn't realize that uh naslin was a penguins draft, draft yeah I, I believe
0: he was drafted the same year as Forsberg, wow. and uh it just he didn't see enough ice time he grew frustrated requested a trade request granted moved to vancouver and um he learned a bit from Mark Messier uh, while he was in Vancouver. And then when Mark went to New York, he became the captain of the Canucks and the rest is history. Wow. And uh, he was a part of the Canucks top line for years and did very well. So um, I I think this is going to be a better situation for Daniel Sprung. It's up to him to make the most of it.
1: Yeah. Um. By the way, Marcus Pedersen Peter- has no relation to Elias Peterson. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that scared he, he, a couple he of
0: has a. He's, he has done pretty good at the NHL level. I believe he has 10 points in 40-plus games yes, at the NHL I, level with yeah. the Ducks. So he, he, he's done pretty well. And he definitely needs defensive depth. So.
1: 10, and 49, uh, 10 points in 49 games. Not too bad. Um, I don't know his, what his ice time is, though. So that may mm-hmm. also have a difference. Um, but he had 14 points in 44 AHL games. Um, so... That's also decent, but um, but he has only had a one goal, um, in both his NHL and AHL career, um, yeah. So, um. But I mean, which
0: which kind of makes you yeah. wonder even more about this trade if it was worth making for Pittsburgh in this one-for-one yeah. one, because you look at Daniel Sprung, you know, he's a guy that you know as um cap uh, restrictions kind of harm your team he's maybe the kind of guy that can take a step up in a couple of years and do good work for you guys and now you've traded him away for a piece that you know you never know in two or three years may not even be on your team anymore so um, well i think that's the risk that pittsburgh's taking with this deal true
1: although i think it's something where like the penguins have a lot of good forwards And the Ducks have a lot of good defensemen. So I think it's just like a depth defenseman for a depth forward um, kind of thing. Yeah, need
0: versus need, right? Exactly. I
1: think it was just a need kind of trade. Um, Speaking of which, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk uh, was put on the fourth line, and then he uh, was put on IR a couple games later. Um, Mm -hmm. You have the quote that Desjardins had. I thought it was very weird. You yeah, mind. so Same. here's a
0: quote from uh, Kings coach Willie Desjardins on Kolachuk being moved to the fourth line. When you've always been a top two-line guy, for sure, all of a sudden somebody puts you on the fourth line, it's going to be hard for him to find his game. So it's not fair to him in some ways either. I'm making him play to his weaknesses.
1: That's yep. the quote. So it's like he's admitting that he's uh, he's doing a bad coaching decision by making him forcing him to play... Uh, something he doesn't want to be playing. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing, great coaching.
0: I, I'm guessing he thinks it's going to work out uh, like it did for Patrick Liney. The difference is the Jets are very potent, where they could put Brian Little and Patrick Liney on the fourth yeah. line, and they could do some good work. The Kings don't have what the Jets have right now. Well, the Kings are in a very different spot, and Kovalchuk is 35, not yeah. 20, like Patrick
1: Liney is. Well, I, I was more commenting that he said like playing to his weakness. It's like. Uh, why? Why would you want to play a player to his weakness? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, especially uh, when you're paying yeah. that
0: player upwards of five million per year to yeah. be a power play threat and score goals.
1: Yeah, it's just like admitting that you're a bad coach. Um, it's just uh, <laughs> and that,
0: admitting that maybe that contract signing was a mistake. I mean,
1: yeah, coach, but I mean,
0: like I said, at his age, um,
1: he was. He was the best player in, like, October for them, so I don't know. I, yeah, I wouldn't he, say it was a mistake.
0: Gone, he's gone pointless in 10 or 11 straight yeah. games. Um, but, like, there was, there was uh, I believe, uh, two games against Edmonton and Vancouver where he didn't even see a combined 15 minutes of ice time.
1: Yeah. Kind of which crazy. is absurd. Yep. Kings claim, Uh, they also claimed Uh, Nikita Sherbach. Scherz- Of the Montreal, he was a Montreal Canadian draft pick. I was kind of surprised that uh, I didn't even realize Nikita Sherbeck was even on. I know we didn't even mention, I didn't put this in our lineup, but I did mention that to you through emails. I I just wanted to briefly mention this because I was surprised that he was even on waivers. Um, but yeah, he was like, uh, he's he was a decent draft pick, he was on, he was a 2014 draft pick. Um, for the canadians and um you know he he was decent for them in laval uh, in the ahl he had 95 points in 145 games in the ahl it's like why are you why did you put him on waivers um but um either or the kings have him now
0: yeah and um kempe is also hurt for them so they also claim brendan Lepsick off waivers from the vancouver canucks yep. and taking a look at uh what Kovalchuk has done since the coaching change, um, let's see here. Uh, I have the numbers once again right in front of me. Okay, here it is. So according to the Hockey News, Jared Clinton, as of November twenty eighth, Kovalchuk's ice time under Desjardins was fourteen minutes forty two seconds per game. Decrease of nearly four minutes thirty seconds. It was an average of nineteen eleven in thirteen games with John Stevens. And uh, he's on the same sheet of ice now as Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis, and uh, former Penguin Carl Hagelin. So, yeah. it you know I guess if it helps the Kings get back in the playoff picture and it helps them win games, I suppose the fans would be happy with that. But again, right. it goes every it goes against every single reason why you brought Ilya Kovalchuk on your team in the first place.
1: Yeah, it seems kind of strange, especially since Kovalchuk had a really hot start to the season. Mm-hmm. So that's what I don't get. But yeah, yeah. the, the Sherbeck move uh, was more like, well, i w I'm more confused about that. Cause it's like, I
0: think it's more young player. Yeah. Wispy. We need a player because we got people hurt. Let's get this guy.
1: Yeah, I know. But like, why was he even on waivers in the first place? That, that seems <laughs> crazy to me. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Bruin Sens, uh, I went first last week, so you're going first this week.
0: All right. Well, um, the week didn't start off very well for the Sens. They dropped their fourth straight game with a 4-2 lost to the Rangers last Monday. They had their chances. Um, pressing for the final 20 minutes, just couldn't get it done. And it looked like they were going to lose to the Flyers as well with Mike McKenna in net because I thought, well, Mike McKenna's in goal. It's not Craig Anderson uh i don't like ottawa's chances already but uh, then brady kachuk scores a pair in the third to tie things up and some wicked hand-eye sorcery for Matt shane gets the Sens a four to three lead eventually turns into the game-winning goal and they win by that same score flyers couldn't tie it uh they had some pressure in ottawa's zone but uh, the Sens held on they win that game four to three on Thursday, they faced the Rangers in a rematch. They give Craig Anderson a 3-0 win. He only had to face 27 shots in that game. And that led us to the return of Eric Carlson as the Sharks came into town with a three-game skit on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, the Sens extended uh, the Sharks losing woes to four games because they won 6-2. Mikhail Botker got four points. Uh, Chris Tierney had one assist. So a lot of uh, former Sharks Um, got uh, some uh, sweet revenge uh, against their former team. Um, Eric Carlson offensively was pretty good. Um, The Sharks had eight first-period shots. Carlson had four of them. He finished with nine shots for the entire game. But once again, when you have Craig Anderson, you have a chance. And uh, once again, stopping over 35 shots, uh, the Sens were able to hang in there, extend their lead, take advantage of the chance that they had and uh they got two points and with that i can't believe i'm saying this brett since with that win back to 500 on the year and two points shy of the final playoff spot in the eastern conference so i will happily take that um so uh taking a look at uh, ottawa's schedule um this week um they have a home and home with montreal um they are going up against pittsburgh on saturday night that's a home game and uh then uh they go up against your boston bruins on sunday a 5 p.m start uh so uh, we'll uh, both uh, be watching attentively on that game uh just getting a little more in depth as to what happened off the ice uh, the return of eric carlson This is a day that probably every Sens fan didn't want to see for themselves. And it just so happens to happen on the five-year anniversary that Alfie came back to Ottawa as a Red Wing. And um, it it, it goes without saying that Carlson is probably the most gifted offensive player in Ottawa Senators history. I mean, you look at uh, what happened in February 2015, in February 2013, rather, when uh, Matt Cook took him out with his skate blade. out for several months and then a few years later carlson scores 82 points in 82 games insanely ridiculous for a defenseman like that would be that's even great for a forward but for a defenseman it's it's on another level and then of course the 2017 playoffs on one bad ankle and he's still able to do eric carlson type of things that he would if he had two good ankles to play on so um he was he was a very talented guy a, a very positive voice in the community he organized a, a couple of key events uh before his departure the can't dim my light event uh, about a week before the trade is uh one thing and i think if this is a normal situation in ottawa i don't think it gets this far i think eric carlson is an ottawa senator to this day um but at the end of the day like any other player he wants to be happy playing this game mm-hmm and it's not like he hated the senators he loved this team he loved this city he says he wants to come back later which i 100 percent believe is going to happen after his playing days are done and even if the sins offered him all the money in the world i don't think he would take it because just just everything that's gone up in ownership right now it, it's just not a very good vibe and um you know this eric carlson can get all the closure he wants he doesn't have to worry about Coming back to Ottawa for the first time, he's done that. He can focus on his team, his his own play, getting a new contract. It's sunshine and lollipops for Carlson now, compared to what the Sens have to deal with. Because once we get into 2019, time to resign Mark Stone. Time to resign Matt Duchene. Do we have the money? Does melnick want to keep them? Right. It's (laughs) it just continues and continues and continues, uh, and. That uncertainty will continue unless one or both is either signed and or traded. Yeah. And um they'll probably be traded if they don't uh stay put with the Sens. Um but uh, Pierre Dorian says he's gonna do his best to keep both of them around. He assures the fans that the Sens have the money, which I'll believe it when I see it, but um i I have a bit of of trust issues with the with eugene melnick (laughs) and i'm just sick and tired as sense fans are of seeing good players not finishing their careers in ottawa because of one reason or another so uh we'll see what happens there now speaking of um speaking of ownership um the group that lost the bid to rendezvous le breton rendezvous le breton by the way is the group that eugene melnick is a part of Uh, and um his co-partner john ruddy of uh, trinity developments is uh being sued by melnick um due to what melnick calls a conflict of interest so in the event uh, rendezvous le breton crashes and burns the ncc is going to reconvene with uh, rendezvous le breton in late january they're going to ask hey what's the deal is this still going to happen the uh, the group that competed against rendezvous le breton has popped up and said hey if rendezvous le breton crashes and burns we'd uh we'd be willing uh to uh, put our project back on the table our offer still stands um and we would like to do what we can to make this project happen if rendezvous le breton doesn't work out and their plan also includes a hockey rink we don't know if the Sens will be involved and if they are the question is is eugene melnick willing to work with rendezvous uh, with uh with the, the group that lost the bid and not Rendezvous LeBreton, the group that he was a part no. of. Because at the end of the day, it's still his team. He doesn't have to play in that rank, even if it's made specifically for the Sens. And the NHL right now, understandably disappointed at what's going on right now, um, and especially Gary Bettman, but he understands it's a complicated process. Um, there's lots to be sorted out. Um, it's not a good look for Ottawa at all. And... Um, it should also be noted that uh, when the board of governors convened on monday eugene melnick was not present so um hopefully that doesn't become an issue as well um just i guess makes me miss uh, the 2017 playoff run uh, even more nowadays um but uh, before i close uh, of the segment i will also mention a minor signing justin fault inked to a one-year deal with the Sens good defensive depth at the age of 30 been around the AHL and the NHL but he brings a bit of grit and uh, that's something uh, the Sens could use a bit of on defense uh, especially with Borbieski, uh a little banged up there um, so uh, we'll see what he brings and uh, in case you're wondering no this isn't Justin Falk from Carolina that magically appeared on waivers um, this is the other Justin Falk where his last name is spelled f-a-l-k not f-a-u-l-k so uh if you're confused there are two justin folks their last names are spelled differently and uh we got the not as gifted offensive one but hopefully he can bring uh some success to this sense team anyways Sens rant is done brett what did the bruins do this week
1: uh yeah uh that's um I didn't even realize that they got the the other Justin Falk. Um, yeah,
0: that, that signing happened on Friday, so yeah. it was relatively new. So um, I,
1: guess, uh, I guess I should do some of the, uh, before I get to the games, there's a couple of things I want to get to first. Uh, first off, Rick Middleton, uh, Nifty was his nickname. He, uh, he had his number retired, number 16. Um, on, I believe it was Thursday. It was just before the Islanders game. Uh, he, I don't expect him to, I don't think he'll be a hall of fame guy, um, but he still had a pretty good year, uh, career. He had 988 points in a thousand and five games. Um, he had a, a, most of those points were assists. Um, I don't know, I, I, and he played 12 years on the Bruins, um, and he w- he was drafted by the Rangers in 74, then two years later he got traded uh, for Ken Hodges. I was originally thinking that, w- I was wondering if he was involved in the Phil Esposito trade, but no, he was just, it was a one-for-one one with Ken Hodge. which um, was kind of interesting um and uh, a couple of Bruins players have worn the number 16 since he left one of which was Ryan Donato um who had to change his number to uh he now Ryan Donato now wears number 17. Speaking of Ryan Donato he was recalled um which is a much needed uh help into our lineup Unfortunately, that means that Anders Bjork was uh, moved down to Providence. Um, but uh, I think it is pretty cool that, um, and, and as we'll mention, Donato kind of did contribute a bit um, this um, in these weeks, so it, it might uh, help him a bit. Um, I believe JFK was also uh, downgraded too. Um, yeah, he Providence was, as well. yeah, I
0: think uh, when Colby Cave, who yep. we'll talk about later, was promoted I was gonna to the top him. line, I believe Forrest Carlson was scratched as a result. Yeah, I was
1: also going to, and then he was eventually uh, demoted as well to oh, Providence, yeah. um, which is kind of surprising because uh, JFK was, was actually doing pretty well. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks like he's, he's going down to Providence and Colby Cave is now our top line center, which is a little weird to say, but um, it's the truth. Um, I took
0: a look at his AHL numbers. I think 18 points in 15 games is a pretty good stat number considering he didn't have even 40 points in the AHL the year before. Um, And I also looked at um, the Detroit game when when things got a little testy, and we'll talk about that in a sec.
1: Tyler
0: Bertuzzi wanted nothing to do with Colby K, which is interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is interesting, actually. Um, And uh, the other thing, oh, uh, it looks like Charlie McAvoy – um is uh began skating so that was um so that's good to hear he probably will be available sometime this week but that's just hoping you always want to be cautious with concussions but then again he's you know he's been out for a month plus so um, I hope There's
0: no timetable for his return, so but, I think, like with concussions, it's just day by day. We'll see but, how it is. But it there. is a good
1: sign that he's skating with the team. Oh and yeah, everything. definitely. Um, I believe he's traveling and everything, so uh, so that's good news for sure. Uh, now going to the games. Uh, the Bruins played the Maple Leafs. Um, Travis Dermont, who we mentioned before, was a um, who was sent down, but he had in a goal. Um, in the first period to start things off, um, and then in the second period, it kind of went. Uh, Pasternak finally got a goal. Um, he's kind of been, um, he's been on a cold streak lately, but he got a goal. Then Igor Ozinogonov, I think I pronounced that correctly. He uh, he got a goal later on. Yeah, he, um, he's
0: one of the two uh, young Leafs defenders that I was telling you about that are right, in the right. NHL right now.
1: Uh, David Pasternak gets another goal, um, and then Josh Livio had a nice uh, goal afterwards. So it's three-two, and then uh, Zach Hyman gets an empty net goal to to finish things off. But um, Mitchell Marner, as we've mentioned before, he had three assists um, in that in this game. Um, so it was impressive. I mean, this is one of those things where like, we don't have Bergeron, we don't have Char, we don't have a lot of our defensemen in, in McAvoy as well. So um, anything is helpful. So I didn't really expect to beat the Leafs, but I am glad that we at least like weren't embarrassed um, like we were in the first, in the opening day game. So, um, so there's that to look for. Um, and then the Islanders played this was uh Donato's uh return back um as well. Uh this was kind of uh was a it was a pretty cool uh goalies duel here uh between Tuka Rask and Robin Lanner. Um, Rask was unbelievable, um especially towards the third period it seemed like he Well and in, was, in overtime they were outshot yeah. six
0: to two. That and, that Well yeah.
1: I, I was getting to that, but yeah, like in the third period, he was great too. And, and in overtime, especially, um, and then he, he stopped a lot of pucks, um, in, in the shootout. In, in fact, he, 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 uh, didn't even, um, he saved all three shots in the shootout as well. So yeah, he was unbelievable, um, there. And of course, uh, first off, Anders Lee scores in the first period and then Brad Marchand who hasn't scored. Or even got an assist in like about five games. Um, mm-hmm. He he finally gets back on the goal on the goal scoring thing, um, on the goal scoring thing. That's my new saying now. Um, so so oh, the that goal was goal
0: scoring saddle.
1: Yeah, yeah, the goal scoring saddle. Um, so that's um, that's nice to see there too. Um, but yeah, and then Ryan Donato gets the uh, the only goal in the um, in the shootout. Um, so it was kind of fitting that like he gets called up and then he becomes the hero but yeah this is one of those games where I was like you know we've been talking about you know the two things that we've been talking about all year for the Bruins was their depth scoring if they were gonna show up and if Tuka rest was actually gonna be the guy and it was nice to see that both Tuca and uh, Ryan Donato, a guy we just called up, just just because he needed to get some confidence going. Finally gets continues his confidence and and scores a goal in the shootout. So that was that was nice to see on both ends of the ice. Um, and then uh, and then we'll get. To, I I think you have a couple of opinions on what happened in the Red Wings game. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll get to that in a second. Um, but first. Um, David Backus gets a goal, which was kind of crazy. Uh, we mentioned Colby Cave. Uh, he got his first point of the in the, in the NHL. Um, he had a secondary assist in that goal there. Um, so that was um, cool to see. I feel like I say cool to see or nice to see all the time, but yeah, um, it was nice to see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, also scores and um in the second period and then Dylan Larkin. It was a nice play there, um, from Dylan Larkin. Um for some reason the Red Wings seem to have our number. It seems like they're not a good team really, but like whenever they play the Bruins, they seem to just have our number. Um it's it's a weird thing. Um Ryan Donato gets an actual goal in this in the third period. David Pasternak gets an assist. Um, And then Franz Nielsen and Gustav Nyquist get an empty net. Uh, But the big story was in the third period, uh, it seemed like uh, Brad Marchand and Tyler Bertuzzi were going at it. Uh, Krejci and, uh, I forget who tripped him, but a Red Wings player tripped him and that got Marchand going. And Marshawn and uh, Bertuzzi, of course. Tyler Bertuzzi is Todd Bertuzzi's nephew. Um, if you didn't know, um, now you know. Uh, and he uh, and they kind of got got going. It seemed like they were both. It seems you know. It's you know that uh, meme where like Spider-Man is pointing at the other Spider-Man kind of thing. It kind of <laughs> felt like that, where like Tyler Bertuzzi has kind of become a bit of a pest himself so it seemed like they were both getting under each other's skin and um well, i don't know if you saw the,
0: his actions uh, against the colorado uh, yeah. against the colorado avalanche um, a night later he got suspended two games well that, that's like what
1: was to, yeah. i was alluding to so, yeah i was alluding to that so
0: yeah you're right he's got he's got that pest
1: side. Type to mentality exactly bit. um and he's he's not even that bad of a player too he kind of has that matt kachuk kind of Kind of yeah, him. Brad, I think, I think that Matt Kachuk
0: um, label is perfect for Tyler Bertuzzi yeah. right now because he has 16 points on the year at last check.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that was his ninth goal. I don't know how many assists he has. Um, it just says nine goals here. Um, so yeah, and uh, and then um, and then what happened was uh, Brad Marchand kind of like sort of trips like a, so the the Bruins had a penalty. And then uh, so that forced Jimmy Howard to leave the ice and on J- Jimmy Howard's way to the bench yeah uh, and, we're,
0: and let's let's just um, for anyone who didn't see his play so
1: well I'm describing point, it to him at, at, at this point where Jimmy Howard is
0: going to the bench that's where Marshawn and, Bert, and
1: Bertuzzi were kind of going at it and then anyways Marshawn hits a Jimmy Howard And Jimmy Howard uh, reacted.
0: I don't don't think he hits Jimmy Howard, but he gives him a whack though.
1: Well, that's a hit. He
0: gives Howard a whack as he's skating by, and that gets Howard's attention. And then he tries, and then I'm pretty sure he tries to go after Marshawn, and that's when Wrath steps in and tries to get a hold of Howard. Well,
1: I I was getting to that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, anyways, as uh, I'll mention it, Marshawn kind of hits uh, Jimmy Howard and then that gets the team going even more because you're never really supposed to hit the goalie so I understand it from that regard and then all of a sudden Tuka Rass comes in because then Jimmy Howard gets involved because then he starts hitting Marshawn and then uh, Tuga Ras is like, oh, okay, goalies are going after my players. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight Jimmy Howard. And you could tell this, like, Tuga has wanted to get in a fight for a long time now. Um, so well, you, you could, cards, you but, could like, tell, like you, you could just tell that he wanted to, he just wanted to fight Jimmy Howard. Um, but uh, unfortunately, the refs uh, didn't allow it. I, I don't know. I, I'm, ne- I've never been a huge fight person. But um, I was never more disappointed that the refs didn't allow Jimmy Howard or Tuca to fight. Um, I think
0: if anything, it calms <laughs> down the situation because yeah. when goalies drop down the when goalies drop the gloves, what yeah. do you think people do? Do you think they just continue to fight? No, they probably just stop what they're doing. Yeah. they're just like, "Dude, goalie fight." Let's.
1: Watch I know. This. So so that was what I was more disappointed in. I mean, I know Brad Marchand instigated stuff, and he's doing Brad Marchand th- stuff. So. Um, I don't, I don't know if I want to really defend that, but come on, there was a goalie fight going on. Rest, why, why do you have to like both, let them both up? guys
0: look like they wanted yeah, to Yeah, and they both
1: wanted to go. They were both ready. I, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, the gloves were dropped. For the gloves were dropped. Yeah, it's just, um, I just wanted to see it happen. Um, but uh, I guess it was for not. Um, I
0: guess I guess the rest probably thought you know it would escalate the situation anymore. I think if Marshawn so. did something stupid, uh, that would escalate the situation yeah.
1: more than a goalie fight would. For sure, but um, whatever. I guess it was just <laughs> I don't know. It was it was a weird situation for sure, but I I just wish it, it had happened. Um, yeah. The yeah, and you know so hopefully McAvoy comes back um, sometime this week. We'll see. Um, we'll probably, we'll need him, but, um, but yeah, in the meantime, anything, I I don't know. It's, it's crazy to like, think that like the, it seems like the Red Wings are like, just know how to beat the Bruins and they don't know how to beat any other team. So that's what frustrates me more about that game than, than a goalie. I feel fight like or whatever. was the same way to the Sens yeah. for years. For whatever Bertuzzi did. The the Sabres were like that to the Bruins for years too. Um yeah. so but yeah it seems like the Red Wings kind of they they have something cooking, I feel like, but maybe not this year, but um in the next couple of years it's Dylan just Dylan
0: Larkin, I don't know if you saw yeah. Dylan Larkin, but he took fifteen draws and won every single one in that yeah.
1: game. Um yeah he he's a he's a good talent for sure. Um, Athanasius was great the the first game that we played them so um, yeah they have something cooking with, between those guys Nyquist was is pretty good um, Mantha has his moments so um, yeah we'll see um, next week or this week uh, we have the Panthers tonight so you guys will know the score um, when this is rec- when this is posted um, but the Panthers are tonight. The Lightning are on Thursday. Um, it's at Tampa. Um, and then on Saturday, they have, they play the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, which at home, uh, which should be an interesting game. Maybe that's when Nylander will be back. Um, <laughs> you know, know what?
0: That's probably what's going to happen. It's yeah. just like, okay, you know, Matthews, Marner, we can handle these guys. And then Nylander well, comes don't... up and he's like, hi, oh, I'm back. Yeah.
1: I don't know if we can handle them even with without Nylander. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And then on Sunday, uh, as you alluded to, the Bruins are at Ottawa playing your Senators. Uh, should be an interesting matchup for sure. Um, it should
0: be noted, though, by the way, uh, Stone and Duchesne, I believe, um, were um, among the NHL leaders in November points. Well. I think maybe Shabbat was up there, too. Um, Shabbat, by the way,
1: yeah. um,
0: the third-fastest senator, or I think maybe he was even the fastest senator to reach 30 points.
1: Wow. Yeah, he's leading the league in def- uh, points for a defenseman, I believe.
0: Yeah, he had 25 so. points all of last year. He has over 30 now.
1: Yeah. Um, I, w- I have him in one fantasy league, and now I wish I had him in more. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I
0: think every – every,
1: every, it's, it's has funny how –
0: everyone was going all gaga for, like, you know, Devils players like yeah. Taylor Hall, and and no no one on our team really wanted to, to touch too many Ottawa yeah. Senators players. Well, it was, like,
1: uh, Avalanche players last year. Like, no one wanted to touch the Avalanche last year, and then, um, you know, then McKinnon had his great year, uh, Randon and Landeskog. Um, so it's just, uh, I guess it's just what the Senators are like the Avalanche this year, it seems. Um, Yeah, Duchesne was another one where I like I had a feeling he would have a great year, but I just I was too scared to even draft him this year. Um, And now I'm missing out. Um, Lastly, before we go, Seattle's NHL expansion has been unanimously approved by the Board of Governors. Um, This just happened, so we don't know the full details just yet. But it seems like, um, from what I just read really quickly, it seems like the they're they're planning on getting a team in Seattle in 2021. Um, there's a renovation in the Key Arena that's 800 million. That's going to cost them 800 million dollars. The owner is uh, Lou Todd Luecky. Um so that's that's going to be exciting I guess. Now all we have to decide on is um is how are they going to figure out the 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 divisions cuz you know cause Seattle is definitely in the Pacific but then that would mean that would put nine teams in the Pacific. I heard um, that uh, so, they
0: might move Arizona to the Central yeah. division.
1: And then all of a sudden then you'd have uh the uh Houston rumors for for Arizona yeah. then. Um yeah, exactly. And also the other thing uh, to keep note, speaking of which, uh, Vegas, since I guess they're, they're expansion team, they won't be involved in the expansion draft, yeah. um, which seems kind of unfair when you think about it because this is going to be for 20, 20, 2021. Mm-hmm. So that's five years from now. It's like, so they don't have enough prospects or players that <laughs> that can be exposed. Um, that seems unfair. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to call them out. I do wonder if teams are going to be smarter than they were in Vegas expansion draft. Uh, like not make, like being afford, able to like, be like, okay, we're not going to make all these shady trades because, uh, we're going to miss out on one of these players because of what happened. Like most notably Marsh, March or so, and Riley Smith, um, to keep, I think it was like Matheson or something so um so maybe it's gonna be one of those kind of things where uh the uh you know more teams are gonna be smarter where they're not gonna try to trade with seattle um but i i, I still think seattle could get a decent team i know it's like five years from now or, so, or three years from now but um yeah <laughs> it's kind of exciting at the same time
0: yeah and it'll it'll be interesting um to to see what becomes of that yeah. and what uh, their team is going to be comprised with but uh, yeah. i think i think when it comes to the expansion process beauty's in the eye of the beholder if the for gm sure. doesn't think uh, a player's worth keeping around they won't protect them and if someone thinks uh, that they're worth bringing over um they'll go out and they'll get them yep. and um, i think that was uh i think that was the case uh, for a lot of the players that Vegas took there are a lot of sketchy um, calls that were made, but, um, like the William Carlson one turned out to be a gamble that's paid off dividends for Vegas. So, um, as they say, you, you can't fix stupid. And, uh, you know what, if, if someone makes a stupid decision, you know, what, um, doesn't matter how good the expansion process is, uh, you know, that's on them. It'll be interesting to see how many people they protect though, how many people they're allowed to protect. Yeah, I think I think that could impact uh, some decisions. How many people you can protect? So for sure. We'll see how the NHL rules on. And that And
1: also, like uh, Pittsburgh, I'm sure they want Mark Andre Fleury back. Um, <laughs> so.
0: Nah, uh, yeah. Yeah, they probably could use him right now.
1: They could probably uh, use him right now, yeah. for sure. Um, that's about it. That wraps it up for us. Um, uh, our our Twitter is lay some lace a podcast. Our Facebook is lay some up. Um, yeah, uh, you can email us at lace up a bag at gmail.com. You can check us out on SoundCloud and, um, iTunes. Um, and I think we're pretty much on every podcast platform that has podcasts, but those are the two big ones, SoundCloud and iTunes. So check those out. Uh, give us good ratings, subscribe and all that stuff. So, um, it would be really helpful for us. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 149 of the Lace em Up podcast.